There's a surprising closer development in St. Louis and rotation drama in Oakland and in the Bronx. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three O'Brews yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Wednesday, July 22nd. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm here with Michael Beller. And Michael, it's time for our daily update on where the Blue Jays are going to make their nest. And this one, uh, a bit surprising, but it sounds like it could be a, a serious consideration. They may play at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. And according to Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, there could be a decision within 24 hours of this recording uh, of whether or not they're going to play there. And certainly a decision has to be made soon because... You know, we're on the verge of uh, opening night here, believe it or not. So um, that could be a real game changer for both the uh, hitters and the pitchers. Yeah, it certainly could be. Um, the The hitter is what jumps out at me first, and I do think that this is something we have to consider, especially for the righties. We just know that Roger Center has always played very well, very friendly to right-handed power. So it's something I will think about. I will say, though, you probably know where I'm going to go with this. I am Mr. Trust the Talent, right? And so even though I think it's something we need to consider, Vlad Guerrero is a super talented dude. Bo Bichette is a super talented dude. So while it's maybe going to uh, ding them a little bit on the bottom line, I'm not sure if it's going to be that much that it's going to make me downgrade them all that uh, significantly. I still always want to trust the talent and trust that no matter the environment, these guys are going to be able to figure it out and hit the way that we expect them to hit. Yeah, I'm with you there in terms of evaluating the hitters. I mean, initially, I thought this is really uh, not a good thing at all for the right-handed hitters, especially you're going from one of the best parks in the majors over the last three seasons in terms of uh, home run park factor for righties to one of the absolute worst. But yeah, you know, those hitters like Guerrero and Bichette uh, have not really had big uh, home ro- home road splits. So they certainly have the talent probably to... Uh, to produce just about anywhere. But the thing I'm wondering about is whether or not this is going to be a bump for uh, Hunjin Ryu, because I feel like the community as a whole has been too down on him for that move from the national league to the American league to Toronto into Rogers center, the AL East, all those things that you figure are going to um, deflate a pitcher's value. Do you think he recoups some value here if they do play in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think uh, we have to consider a little bit of a bump for Hyunjin Ryu for the reverse reason that we would be concerned about it for the hitters, especially if you consider the fact that right-handed power does so well in Toronto. Right-handed power also has the platoon advantage against Ryu. They're not going to have that, uh, at least not going to have the power advantage that they would at PNC. So I do think it gives him a little bit of a boost. But again, I just don't think you want to make that significant of moves based on park factors and park factors alone. Maybe it's a tiebreaker, but I don't think you're suddenly drafting Ryu ahead of three guys that you would have taken ahead of him because of this potential change for Toronto's home venue. Well, I'm I'm with you on that, but that's why I feel like that maybe there was an overreaction to Ryu uh, going to Toronto Mm -hmm. or yeah, we'll go into Toronto, but we'll see if uh, they actually do wind up playing in Pittsburgh. They're going to have to choose very, very soon with uh, clocks ticking night. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Uh, So an interesting closer development in the last uh, 24 hours or so. Uh, We all uh, kind of had our sights set on um, Ryan Helsley 
based on some previous reports, closing out games for the uh, the Cardinals. But Mike Schilt kind of threw us a curve. He says that Kwon Kyung Kim is going to start the season as the primary closer. Now, I'm I'm reading a bit into his quotes. He didn't use that term primary closer, basically saying that Kim will be an option uh, and that, you know, he does reserve the right to obviously play matchups. But, uh, you know, that's my reading of his quotes that uh, Kim is going to be the Cardinals primary closer. And of course, the flip side of that is that Carlos Martinez going into the rotation. So let's start with Kim. Uh, do you feel like uh, he's worth uh, pursuing if he's out there? If you, if you picked up Helsley like I did, is it worth just uh, letting him hang on to that roster spot until things uh, play themselves out for the first week or so? What did I say on Tuesday, Al? Forget about roles. Go after talented arms that you know are going to be able to contribute in some way or another. I don't want any part to do with this. I don't want to have anything to do with this. Kim, Helsley, I don't care because I don't know how good these guys are. And I think anyone who is outside of St. Louis's organization who tells you they know how good these guys are is lying to you or has way too much confidence in their own abilities to project how baseball players are going to play over any sample of games, let alone a 60-game sample. I want guys who are proven commodities who I know are going to be able to do what they do no matter what their role is. I'm trusting the high-K relievers, the volume relievers, the guys who have proven over a number of years that they can give me strong ratios and if they never save a game they never save a game but I know they're contributing to at least three of my primary categories so I am staying far away from this situation and far away from any murky closer situations to start this season yeah well I think there's a lesson for uh, me and for all of us in there that uh, I spent probably a little too much money on (laughs) Helsley and uh, you know if there's a uh, closer du jour in the news the next couple days Take it, uh, take the foot off the gas a little bit. So I, I agree with that. Uh, Anthony Rendon is dealing with an oblique injury, may not be ready for opening day. This is somebody also uh, that I feel like has been a little bit overvalued. Maybe, you know, where I, I thought that maybe uh, Ryu got uh, too much of a discount for uh, moving from one team to another. I feel like Rendon maybe didn't get enough of a discount, leaving a very hitter friendly park and uh, now an oblique injury. So, Uh, is there any impact here? You think if people are still drafting out there in the next uh, day or so, or, um, you know, maybe if you're playing a short week, is there any possibility in a shallow league, you would even sit Rendon. I think there has to be with the draft, um, with respect to sitting him. I I think if we get word that he is not going to play an opening day and we're talking about a week, that's going to reset three, two days later on Sunday, you have to sit him Uh, at that point. Your best case scenario is getting 66% of the games played. But I think when the draft is a little bit more of an interesting question, and I think you have to think about it just because of what a week's worth of being injured does do a player's volume this season what oblique injuries in general do to players and how much power it saps. Even when a guy is back and on the field, you just don't get that same torque in your swing when you can't, you know, turn your torso with the same amount of force that you're used to being able to do. And then with uh, what his ADP is and where you're going to have to draft him uh, with the opportunity cost associated with taking Anthony Rendon, you are passing on a lot of very good players, hitters and pitchers. And I was very comfortable doing that. I was on the opposite side of the coin from you when it came to Anthony Rendon this season, even looking at the difference of park in Washington and in Los Angeles, I still felt like this is another guy who I'm going to trust the talent and is going to be hitting in the middle of a very good order, getting to play with guys like Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and, Uh, Justin Upton, uh, I thought there was going to be plenty of run scoring opportunity, plenty of RBI opportunity for him in L.A. But if we're talking about an oblique injury for even a week or a week and a half, that becomes very hard to take him, even if you get 
you know, a half round or a full round discount with all the other big time bats and arms that are going off the board there. So I do have a draft uh, today, later tonight, and I will think twice about uh, Anthony Rendon unless Joe Madden gives up some piece of good news that he's going to be good to go for opening day. Yeah, definitely calls for a last minute uh, Twitter check before <laughs> before definitely, draft time. Definitely. For sure. And by the way, a quick correction. The uh, Angels don't play in Los Angeles. They play in Los Angeles of Anaheim. Oh, of course. Of course. That lovely city on the map, Los Angeles of Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little further up the uh, I-5. Um they have some some rotation issues. So, of course, we've got Jesus Lazardo, who uh, is likely going to pitch in long relief initially. Uh, we've got now got A.J. Puck to the 10-day injured list with a left shoulder strain. So we've already got Chris Bassett, at least temporarily, in the rotation. And now you've got Daniel Mengden taking Puck's spot. Now, um, when, and I assume it's a when and not an if Luzardo starts, I would guess that's Mengden. That's uh, the odd pitcher out and, mm-hmm. and not Bassett. But does this... Uh, well, I guess there's there's you know a couple of aspects here, which is that um, is puck stashable, and does Bassett maybe become a little bit more of an attractive fantasy option with a little more uh, security, perhaps? Yeah, I think Bassett is the big change here. I mean, AJ Puck, can we just like pause and say like, God, can someone give this guy a break, please? Can someone give AJ Puck just a little bit of run of good health? Eighteen months, twenty four months. Let this guy be healthy and let us see what he can do and let him see what he can do. Just unfair that he has to keep dealing with these things. Bassett gets a little bit of a boost. He's going to be pitching for a good team. He's going to have a good offense uh, at his back. He's going to have a good defense behind him. So I think he does become someone who is a little bit more intriguing, someone who you circle back to as your drafts get into the later rounds and you do like the comfort that he's going to have in the rotation now. I don't think Puck's stashable. This just has bad news written all over it, especially for a guy with his injury history. He's getting PRP injections. It's just just does not sound like it's going to have a happy ending for AJ Puck in 2020. So if you have room to stash someone, I just think there are going to be better options than a guy who sounds like he's trending toward missing another huge chunk of a season. Yeah. And I'm facing a, a similar dilemma, although I think a much easier one with Jose Quintana, who uh, is at least a, a week away from just throwing bullpens. Mm-hmm. And in the short season, you know, he's going to miss a big chunk. So uh, Puck, a little bit of a tougher call, but. Even there, uh, yeah, I would have to agree that uh, probably in a lot of formats, uh, you you need to let him go. So uh, other bad news, unfortunately, for the A's rotation. Sean Mania pitched against the Giants on Monday and maxed out at just over 88 miles an hour uh, on his uh, fastest fastball. And just to put this in perspective, he made five starts towards the end of 2019 and averaged at least 89.5 miles an hour on his fastball in uh, those starts. So I know we... Don't want to put too much emphasis on velocity uh, in these exhibition games, but does that degree of um, of decrease, uh, does that concern you? You know, it wouldn't really concern me if he didn't have the injury last year. I do worry about that degree of decrease being related to some lingering injury concerns from a season ago. That's really the only reason it concerns me. I would trust a guy, really any guy, to be able to build back up to his uh, usual fastball velocity. Uh, So I'm not totally shying away from him, but the injury from last year combined with this 
does worry me. And you know, one mile per hour doesn't seem like a huge deal when you're talking about performance. And it's not a huge deal if you're talking about going from 97 to 96. But when you all live in the high 80s, you need every single mile per hour, you need every single tenth of a mile per hour that you can get. A good guy who comes to mind for me is Kyle Hendricks. And when he was struggling a bit a couple of years ago, it was when he was living at 87 instead of at 89. When he got that velocity back, he suddenly looked again like the guy who he was in 2016. So you really can't afford to lose too much of that velocity if you are Sean Manaya. If this is something that does end up lingering, I think he's going to end up being a disappointing pitcher this season. And let's just hope he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And an- another very surprising move in terms of a rotation. I, you know, I had Jordan Montgomery and Jonathan uh, Loisiga, you know, penciled in, uh, as did, uh, you know, a lot of sources. And uh, Montgomery was optioned to the Yankees alternate site. And Michael King, Michael King has made the team. And according to uh, WFAN Yankees beat reporter Sweeney Murdy, uh, King could be the starter for game three, the Sunday game at Washington. Uh, and it's either going to be King or it's going to be a bullpen game uh, either way. So, um, you know, a couple of uh, aspects here to consider. I've got Montgomery stashed. Should I keep him stashed? And is King worth picking up? Yeah, I can't figure this one out for the life of me. I have no idea what this is. Maybe Aaron Boone has seen something at camp over the last couple of weeks that made King the more intriguing option. Maybe it's a short-term move. Uh, You know, unless we get clarity from Boone himself, I don't think this is something that calls for, you know, pushing the panic button either way. I don't think King is trustable enough to be going after, to be making a move for, especially if it's King or a bullpen game. I also don't think that I would be dropping Jordan Montgomery just yet. If a week passes and he still is not with the Yankees, then maybe that's when you decide to pull the trigger on making a move for him. But I think that with what we've seen from him in the past and what we know every Yankee starter has at their disposal this season, one of the best offenses in the league, one of the best bullpens in the league in a season where wins, we figure, are going to be harder to pin down and harder to target anyone on the Yankees is a good choice. And actually, now that I say that, maybe I'm sort of talking myself into King, but I still don't think I would make any rash moves there or with Montgomery, certainly. I wouldn't be surprised if he were back in the rotation. If I had to bet on one of them being in the rotation uh, two weeks from now, I would still bet on up being Montgomery. I just on, not blind faith, but based on you know Montgomery's track record and the fact that we've seen some really good outings from him in his recent past. Yeah. And uh, another surprising demotion and one that maybe uh, we could take a similar perspective on. That's Gavin Lux yeah. getting sent to the Dodgers <laughs> alternate site that, you know, big news day on, uh, on Wednesday mm-hmm. um, or on Tuesday. Sorry. Uh, still keeping st- uh, track of what day it is here. Um, <laughs> so much news there was. I know exactly. It was like two days worth of news. So big news day with uh, Gavin Lux getting demoted. Uh, you think this is just... Um, you know, needing a little extra time, getting a late start in camp or, you know, service time management or or what have you. Is there some reason to think that he'll be back up really soon? It's got to be the latter, right? I mean, it has to be service time management. This was a team I remember talking about Gavin Lux uh, in March with our Dodgers guys, Pedro Mora and Andy McCullough, and doing a show with them talking about Gavin Lux having won the second base job when it was going to be a 162-game season. This has to be a combination of the fact that uh, they want to keep his service time down and they have the luxury to send him down when you have Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez, Matt Beatty, right? You can move him over to first base. You can move Max Muncie to second. You can put Beatty at first. There's a lot of options here. So not only can they manipulate his service time a little bit, but they can manipulate it in like 
not good faith, but like looking as though they're doing so in good faith because of all the different options they can plug in at second base. I would still bet on seeing Gavin Lux sooner rather than later, and I wouldn't be cutting him just yet if I had him already on one of my teams. All right. Well, uh, it's time for our featured read. And if anything is clear from this episode and you know, pretty much every episode for the last few months, uh, of course, this is not a normal season. It's not a normal year. These are not normal times. And Lindsay Adler is taking a look at how she's going to cover the Yankees for the athletic and uh, these, um, you know, this, this very uh, unusual season. And so worth checking out because it's something we're all going to have to think about, you know, how do we approach this season? And so uh, Lindsay Adler has written a piece, how I plan to cover the Yankees this season. Good read from Lindsay as always. And that's going to wrap up this episode of fantasy baseball in 15 for Michael Beller. I'm Al Melchior, and we'll be back here on Thursday. Mm -hmm. 